Hello everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, 30 minutes of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Savela. Myths and stories are essential tools and guides for creative living in this crazy world, and I want to share some of what I've learned from them with you. Now, you may have noticed, if you listen to this program regularly, that I didn't mention Radio Free Joshua Tree. Streaming on Radio Free Joshua Tree has been suspended, at least for the time being. And I just want to say thank you once again to my colleagues there at Radio Free Joshua Tree. This program originated online with them and was available there for the past three years. I'm going to continue making this program, and all of the episodes, old and new, are available at my site on Bandcamp. Please subscribe to Myth in the Mojave through the Myth in the Mojave website or the Facebook page if you'd like to get regular program announcements so you know what we've got going on. Now, today I want to tell you a few stories about the trickster called Coyote. I have told other stories about him in the past, and I've got a few new ones. I find that I'm always going back to this figure. The paradoxes that he presents are truly fascinating, and I wonder what it would be like if Trickster, or Trickster Coyote, was a primary teacher in our mainstream Western culture. Trickster, as a mythological motif, has many names and guises. Here in North America, where I am, he's most commonly known as coyote, or raven, or hare, or spider. In California, the native peoples, who are the ones that gave us this being, speak primarily of coyote. And he has been here since the very beginning. So the first story that I'm going to tell you is a creation story. But first, I want to invite you to consider, as you're listening to these stories, what the worldview is that you inherited. Many of us in Western culture, whether or not we believe in uh, the Christian paradigm, have a consciousness that has been inculcated with that, with the Judeo-Christian traditions and even the older traditions behind that, uh, Manichaeism, Zoroastrianism. And I bring this up because those paradigms, those religions, which bring with them then a world view, revolve around the idea of fallen matter. There's the belief that The material world, because it is imperfect, is therefore bad. So everything around us, including human beings, all of this is bad or sinful. God is not present in it. But in the world of Trickster Coyote, this is not true. Imperfection is simply the way that things are. And it's dynamic. It's part of what keeps things alive and lively and creative. There are a couple of side effects of this Judeo-Christian matter is bad, uh, imperfection is bad paradigm. 
that have plagued me over the decades, and I'll just mention them here because it might help you uh, kind of compare and contrast as you're listening to these stories. One of these is a certain lack of humor. I have never read the book of Genesis and felt like I'd found a joke there. And the other is an emphasis on or an expectation of perfection, the unattainable. We're all supposed to be striving for perfection, being perfect as our God is perfect. And we flagellate ourselves over all of our many failings, even though perfection is, of course, impossible. You see, we're caught in a loop here where we never really ever measure up. Well, I would like to get out of that box. And contemplating trickster Coyote helps me do that. So this first story I want to tell you is a creation story. And Coyote, a trickster, is often credited with the creation of the earth, of land. So for example, in this story, Coyote and ducks create the earth, told by the Crow tribe. They say that long ago, there was no earth, there was only water. And Coyote was floating on a small raft when he met some ducks. They were the only other creatures that he'd seen, and so he paddled over them to, and said, this is, this is no good. This is no good. We need land. We need others. So I want one of you to dive down under the water and bring up some earth, bring up some dirt for me, and I will make this right. First coyote asked the red-headed mallard to go down. And the mallard dove, and he was gone for quite a while. But at last he came back up and he said, I'm sorry, but I didn't get any earth. Hmm, okay, said coyote. And so then he turned to the pinto duck. Brother, he said, why don't you try now? Dive down beneath the water and try and bring up some earth. The pinto duck also dove down and was gone for quite a while. But at last he came back up and he didn't have any earth either. Well, said Coyote, I surely thought that you would be able to bring some up. Now he turns to a small blue feathered duck. Little brother, he says, if you fail, we won't have any land to live on. And the little blue-feathered duck dove deep down under the water and was gone for a long, long time. And at last, when he came up, he didn't have any dirt either. I'm sorry, Brother Coyote, he said, but I couldn't get any. Now what? Coyote floated on the raft. He wasn't really sure what to do. And then the grebe paddled over and volunteered. You should have asked me first. Brother Coyote, he said. These other birds are my superiors, but they are helpless in this type of situation. And he dove down deep, deep, deep and was gone for quite a while. And at last, when the grebe came back up, he brought a little bit of dirt between his webbed feet. Oh, good, said Coyote. In every undertaking, there are four trials and you have achieved it. Now I will take this little bit of dirt, and I will make the earth. Coyote 
took the little bit of dirt, it's really mud, and he started in the east and spreading it and spreading it, and he walked in a wide, wide circle. I will make it really large so that we have plenty of room, he said. He traveled for a long time, spreading the mud, moving towards the west. When he was finished, he said, Okay, now we have land. There are some things that want to be here. They heard a wolf howling off in the distance. There is someone howling already, said Coyote. The sun was starting to go down now, and they heard another howl. They all stopped to listen. This was a coyote. That one has attained life through his own power. That coyote is great, said Trickster Coyote. Now they all went for a walk, and they saw shining objects on the ground. These were medicine stones. Coyote picked one up that looked like a buffalo and said, These stones are the oldest part of the earth. They will be everywhere, and they will be separate beings. They went on a ways, and then they saw a person standing on a hill. That is a human being, Coyote said. He used to be a star, but here he is on the ground. They all walked towards the human, and as they got closer, he changed into a tobacco plant. This was the first plant. Coyote said, from now on, people will have this plant. They will raise it in the spring and tend it, and it will take care of them and be used in dancing and the ways of living. They walked on a little bit further, and Coyote noticed that the land was bare. This is not good, he said, and he made grass. Then he made mountains and hills. Then Coyote put fish in the creeks, and this is how we started the whole thing. So in this story, the creator of the world, of everything that we recognize and need, is Trickster Coyote. There are many stories where Coyote is given the job of setting up the world for us. Some people have even called him our chief. In another program, I told an Okanagan story called Coyote Keeps His Name, and you can find that on the Grandfather Coyote CD in Bandcamp. In that story, the creator, the grandfather, gives him a special job to do, and that job involves making the world fit for us and teaching us human people how to live. He kills monsters, he teaches us how to dance, and um, he does everything, basically. For example, Coyote arranges the stars in the sky. So here's another story about that. It's a Wasco story, and it's called Coyote Places the Stars. There once were five wolves, all brothers, who traveled together, and they shared their meat with Coyote. One night, Coyote came along, and he saw them all sitting together and looking up at the sky. So he went to the oldest wolf brother and said, uh, what, are you, what are you looking at? And the oldest wolf brother said, oh, nothing, nothing, never mind, never mind. Well, every night Coyote saw the wolf sitting there looking up at the sky, and every night he asked a different one of them what they were looking at. But the wolves didn't tell him because they 
didn't want Coyote to interfere in their business, and this went on for several nights. But finally, Coyote asked the youngest wolf, and the youngest wolf said, Well, Brother Coyote, we see two animals up there, but we can't figure out how to get up to them. Oh, I know how to do that, said Coyote. And he took some arrows, and he shot one into the sky. And then he shot another one up into the sky in that hooked into that arrow, and then another one and another one, and he made a ladder out of arrows that went all the way up into the sky. They all decided to go up. The five wolves, the oldest wolf, took his dog with him and Coyote. They climbed all day and night and day and night, and it was a very long ways to get up into the sky. But finally, they stood way up there and looked over at the two animals that they'd seen. They were two grizzly bears. Oh, I think we should stay away from them, said Coyote, because grizzly bears are dangerous. But the two youngest wolves had already approached the bears. And then the next two went. And then the oldest wolf when he saw that it was safe and nothing was happening, went over closer with his dog. Coyote did not trust these grizzly bears. He looked at the wolves and the bears for a little while, and he thought, wow, that looks really nice. It's a really nice picture, all of them sitting together like that. I think I'll leave it that way, and then people will look up, and they'll they'll like it too, and and a story will be told about me. So he quietly went back down, and he took the arrows out as he descended, so they couldn't get back. When he got down to the earth again, he looked up, and oh, it was such a lovely arrangement. It's what we now call the Big Dipper. Three wolves make up the handle. The oldest wolf with the dog is in the middle. The two youngest wolves make up the bowl under the handle and across from them, the rest of the bowl, the part that points to the North Star, is the two bears. Well, Coyote was so happy with this arrangement that he wanted to put up more stars, and he did, with lots of stories attached to them. And then he had some left over, and so he made the big road, what we call the Milky Way. When he was done, he called Meadowlark and said, You see that up there, how pretty that is? I did that. I did that. And so you tell people, you tell people my story. And so Meadowlark does. He tells the story about Coyote. One of the things that I love about that story is that Coyote did what he did because he thought the sky looked good. Beauty is important. A sense of harmony and proportion. All creatures have an aesthetic response to this world. It's reminiscent of other creation myths where the world is pronounced beautiful, where something is done and and the creator says it was good, quote-unquote. Another definition of this good world, in addition to its beauty and right proportion is, of course, its usefulness to us. 
the abundance of the earth as a source of life, food, and shelter. And coyote helps bring the material sustenance that we need into being too. And he helps us discover it. Now, in the story that I just told you, Coyote seems to have a fairly organized, if spontaneous, method in his creation. But um, let's sit with this story next. It's a Menomini story called The Medicines. Coyote was going along, and he came across some wild onions. He stopped to look at them, and he defecated on them to improve them. And he looked at them again, and he thought to himself, whenever people have nothing else to eat, they will eat these. This is how Coyote worked. He walked on. And then he he got to the bank of a river, and he heard a voice say, Everybody eats me. Well, he stopped. He looked down in the short grass, and he said, Little brother? Yes. What did you say, Coyote said? Everybody eats me. Oh, okay, said Coyote. Well, then let me give you a try. He dug up a white root and ate it. Well, after a little while, he started to fart. Now, at first, Coyote thought it was kind of fun, all this farting and passing wind, but then he started to fart harder and, and louder and, and with such force that he started going up in the air a little bit. His feet left the ground. And then he went higher. Oh, thought Coyote, this is, not, this is starting to be a little too weird. And so he held on to the bushes to try and stay onto the ground. But the farts were harder and more and more forceful. And so then he found himself grabbing at trees and then at the tops of trees. And then finally, he couldn't hold on to them either. And he went up, up, up into the sky. And every time he came down, pow, he landed on his head. Finally, it seemed over. Coyote pulled his head out of the dirt and he heard this soft sound, poo, poo, of gentle farting. He started walking again, but after a while, he heard a loud sound, like a cracking sound. (gasps) Was somebody shooting at him? He looked around. No. No, it was his farts getting louder again. Coyote came to the edge of a creek. And there he heard a voice like the other one. Everybody eats me. What did you say, little brother? said Coyote. Everybody eats me. Oh, well, if everybody eats you, said Coyote, then let me try you. Well, it was the white root again. Very sweet. And Coyote forgot all about his other troubles and he ate it again. But this white root is a very strong laxative. And now Coyote started to defecate. He pooped and he pooped and he pooped and he pooped. He pooped until it almost killed him. He climbed up into a tree to get away from his mess. And then he fainted and fell off. When he woke up, he crawled off to the river to wash off. And he seemed to be done defecating at last. 
Coyote started to walk home. And he heard a sharp crack, like someone was shooting at him. He ducked and he looked around, but he didn't see anybody. He walked on. And then it happened again. And he looked around again. He lay down in the grass to rest, and he realized, oh, he was farting again. Well, said Coyote, those little brothers of mine don't agree with me after I eat them. And now everyone knows. (laughs) So Coyote saved us a lot of trouble and unpleasantness. His experimental method is very far from the sort of crisp, clean, sanitary vision of of creation as perfection that many of us have been inculcated with, though, isn't it? There are many stories like this of Coyote doing truly stupid things that result in important knowledge for us or innovation. Sometimes he does things in collaboration with others. And another story that I like a lot that is also on that Grandfather Coyote CD that I mentioned earlier is a story by the Croak people about Coyote bringing fire to the people. And in that story, who organizes all of the animal people to work together to bring about a very important uh, tool, fire, something that all of them need. So there's a lot of variety, but there is a constant through line there of foolishness that is one of the trickster's primary characteristics. Now, I want to tell you one other story. I think I have time for one more. And if you like tricksters, then this one may remind you of another story that I told on this program about the Yoruban trickster, Ishu. This story is also from the Menomini people. It's called The Story of the Deceived Blind Men. There once was a village on the shore of a lake that was always in danger of attack by its enemies. And two old blind men were part of the village, and the people were afraid that these men might be killed. So they took them in a canoe to the other side of the lake, set up a teepee for them, and left them there with a cooking pot and blankets. And they tied a line from the teepee to a post out in the water so that they would be able to go down and fill their kettle. And then... The other people left, promising to come back and visit. Well, the two men learned to take care of themselves. Every day, one followed the line down to the lake and got water and firewood, and the other man cooked, and then they switched. They split their meal up half and half, but then they ate it from the same pot because they only had one, and These two men lived like this in contentment for several years. Then one day, Coyote came along. He was following the shore looking for crayfish when he saw this line. Well, he had never seen that there before or anything like that. What is this? he wondered. So he followed it from the post in the water to the teepee. He looked in very cautiously and saw two old men asleep with their head by the door and their feet by the warm coals of the fire. Coyote sniffed around, and he smelled something good to eat. But he was afraid of waking the men, so he went off a little ways to figure out what to do. 
while the two old men woke up and he heard them talking to each other. One of them said, Brother, I'm hungry, so why don't you go get water and I'll make food? Ah, quick, Coyote ran down and untied the line from the post in the water and tied it to a bush. The one old man came out with the kettle and he followed the line and dipped it into the bushes. What the hell? There, there's no water. He went back to the teepee and told the other old man. Well, that can't be, said the other old man. We didn't sleep that long. Coyote retied the line to the post. So when the other man took the kettle and went down, he got water. Well, he was a little frustrated. He carried the water back up to the other man at the teepee and said, What do you mean there's no water? Here, feel the kettle. It's full. Well, the first man was very confused. While dinner was being prepared, Coyote slipped quietly into the teepee. The man put eight pieces of meat in the bowl, and Coyote quietly removed four of them. The two men sat down to eat, and the one man said, Wow, you must be really hungry, because I've only had one piece of meat, and there are only two left. Well, I haven't taken them, the other one said. You must have eaten them yourself. Well, now the two men were starting to get angry with each other. Coyote reached over and taps each one on the cheek. Well, now the old men believe that the other one has hit him. So they start to fight. They're rolling around inside the teepee, and Coyote grabs the last two pieces of meat from the bowl and goes outside, where he laughs and laughs and laughs. The old men hear him and realize that they have been tricked. You should not find fault with each other so easily, Coyote says to them. And then he leaves. And the two old men feel so foolish that when their families come later to visit, they don't say anything. Coyote will do anything to get food, to satisfy his appetite. He'll play tricks. That's why he's called the trickster. And yet you can see why the native people say that we are like Coyote, right? In the behavior of the old men, as long as everything goes along just fine and meets their expectations and there's no disruption, then they're content with each other. But as soon as something strange happens, something out of the ordinary, boy, that's the end of their feeling of brotherhood. They grow suspicious. They suspect a trick, but they're looking in the wrong place. They suspect a trick, and yet they are also gullible. You know, James Hillman once said that something always has you in mind. And while that something may be your daemon or your guardian angel, it may also be the trickster. One reason to be aware of who he is and how he operates Trickster Coyote makes our world. He did in mythic times, and he still is. You don't need to believe in Trickster to experience that dynamism of our living and changing world, a world where accidents, opportunities, and imperfections are often interchangeable, interchangeable opportunities for something new to appear. 
That's a far cry from the sort of sterile, stagnant, dead form of perfection. If you enjoyed these stories, well, I found them all in one of my favorite collections. It's by Barry Lopez. It's called Giving Birth to Thunder, Sleeping with His Daughter. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful book. So that's it for me, Catherine Savela, and Myth in the Mojave for this week. Feel free to contact me if you have questions about today's program. And again, I invite you to uh, go to the website or the Facebook page and subscribe so that you receive regular program announcements uh, every time I release a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time, and until then, happy myth-making, and keep the mystery in your life alive. Thank you.